It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. The best fantasy football podcast in all the land. Primarily because we've got Evan Silva from rotoworld.com. He is the stud. He is the star at Evan Silva on Twitter. We're presented by betonline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast with the best odds, fastest payouts. Use the code BIGFEAST. Absolutely loved our four-week series on very early positional rankings for people that are into best ball. But I also love this time of year because this is the time of year when Evan starts to bring in some of his heavy hitters as it relates to guests and -and up-and-coming fantasy superstars, including Josh Hermsmeyer at Frisco Josh on Twitter. We've had him before. Love this guy. He's the air yards guy. He also has invented like three or four other statistics that nobody else has really, really enjoy. Every time we get a chance to talk to Josh, should be awesome. Diving deep into some stuff that really could help to be a differentiator for a lot of you. Before we talk to Josh, though, momentarily, it is important to mention two things. One, I should probably introduce myself. I'm Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman who hosts a bunch of podcasts like Even Money for Gambling, the college draft to get you up to date and ready for the draft all year round, as well as the Ross Tucker football podcast for just general awesomeness and making sure you're up to date on all the news and notes around the NFL from a former player's perspective. I also love hearing about new awesome businesses Almost as much as new awesome guests. Just found out about Credible.com. Here's the deal with Credible.com, okay? If you use Kayak to book your flights, like I do, or if you use SeatGeek to get your tickets for things, like I do, then you will know exactly what Credible is. It's basically the same thing for student loans. Everybody and their brother has student loans these days. I know how it is. Trust me. I know. Everybody is. I went to Princeton. I get it. A lot of people have student loans. Got it. Credible.com is an online marketplace where you can find out in less than two minutes if you're overpaying on your student loans and potentially refinance. Right now, Fantasy Feast listeners will get a $200 welcome bonus if they end up refinancing through Credible.com slash Feast. So go to Credible.com slash Feast, give it a try, check it out, and then if you do end up refinancing, you get $200 welcome bonus. Again, Credible.com slash Feast. Click Find My Rate to see if you could save by refinancing. That's Credible.com slash feast f-e-a-s-t credible by the way is c-r-e-d-i-b-l-e credible.com slash feast next meal 
All right, Josh, let's get right into it. I know, you know, I always do the background on people because I'm curious. I know we talked about it last year, but you got to refresh my memory just in terms of your of your background and basically how you got to the point where Evan retweets everything you tweet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I'm a co-founder and CEO of a software company. I lived in California, uh, Northern California for 40 years, just recently got chased out by the wildfires about five months ago, relocated to Northern Idaho. So that's, that's my background. Got it. Okay. So then on the fantasy end of it, are you still doing the software stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's my, that's my main gig. Uh, I run the company day to day, but, uh, yeah, my passion is, is been trying to get my hands on this new player tracking data so we can try and figure out, uh, well, see if we can figure out some new insights on, on football, how it's played and, uh, uh, stuff like that. So yeah, no, I'm, I just, uh, I do my job, but I also, I also make sure I make time to, to get my hands in this data. All right. So I got, there's a couple of things I need to ask you. Number one, your avatar or whatever on Twitter is amazing. What, what is that again? What, what, what am I looking at right now? Uh, there was a movie they made a while back called dinner party at the end of the world or whatever. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of a funny movie, but I just like the Avatar. I thought it looked cool. I'd, my background's in winemaking, um, and in fact, my software company is uh, is related to the uh, alcohol beverage industry. So uh, he had a little mimosa on there, and, a, and it looked like a Breaking Bad costume. I just thought it looked cool. Got it. Okay. And then the next one is, why do you hate Julio Jones so much? <laughs> <laughs> I love Julio. I mean... I, I kind of had to break the bit. It was uh, I, I had a running gag for about what, gosh, on six months now. But people would just get so upset over Julio and that he wouldn't score enough touchdowns, and yet he's like the most consistent receiver in the NFL over the past four years. And they just can't see past that he only that he only scored three touchdowns last year. They think he's garbage, and uh, I just think it's funny. I, touchdowns are one of the most random things in football. He's obviously a guy that the defense is going to key on in the red zone. He's so big, so athletic. You have to account for him. Of course, they're going to put an extra guy over the top on him. Of course, they're going to, you know, give more attention to Julio in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, the, you know, in, in certain years, he's going to have, uh, you know, three touchdowns. Other years, he's going to have nine. But you can't, you can't, uh, you can't hate on Julio for that. All right, and I know I remember talking about this a lot last year. You are the Air Yards guy, airyards.com, and basically you track how many yards um, the, the ball has been thrown at the catch point when the receiver gets it, right? And tell me, A, if that's correct, and B, why you think that specific stat is so important. Yeah, I think it matters a lot, like uh... – Kurt Warner, he, he tweeted out something. He was talking about the quarterback prospect, and that is correct to answer your first question. That's exactly what it is. And, uh, and I don't track it. It's actually the NFL's data. I'm just leveraging it and trying to use it in a, a creative way to understand football better. But Kurt Warner, he said, you know, we're talking about all these new prospects and whether they're accurate or not, you know, but you have to adjust for how deep the throws are, right? I mean, like, if they're just throwing dump-offs or two-yard passes, they're going to get higher completion percentage just because those are easier passes. And that's basically all it is from the quarterback's perspective is you're saying, all right, this guy had a 60% completion percentage, but what does that mean? Like how many of those passes were short? How many of them were deep? There's a difference between the type of throws that Cam Newton attempts and the ones that uh, say Sam Bradford did for the past couple of years. Um, they have 
you know, lower depth of target that on average they're throwing shorter, uh, uh, Bradford's showing, uh, throwing short, shorter passes and Cam's typically attempting deeper ones. So if you don't account for it, you really can't say if a guy's accurate or not. So that's from the QB side. And it's the same kind of analysis from the wide receiver side. If a guy is getting, you know, targeted down the field, you know, 15, 20 yards, those are harder catches to make. I mean, the, the ball's in the air longer, you're getting hit. Um, there's more contested catches. It just takes a different type of player and, uh, and really understanding like that a guy named, you know, like Jarvis Landry, that he gets a lot of short targets, but is still really efficient with them compared to people who catch balls at those depths. Like you give a seven yard target to Jarvis Landry. He's going to be better than 95% of the NFL at making more yards with that target. So he's actually good. If that's the type of piece, that's the type of piece you want, uh, in your offense. So that's kind of the analysis of their yards, why they're important. Got it. So I've got like a, a few more I might have, but I don't want to be the hog on the fantasy feast. I know Evan has a bunch for you. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit him, I might, I might pick up at the end here, but I want, I want, I, I like, I like when you dive deeper, get a little, get a little uh, more insight from Evan. He can ask better questions than I can. So go for it, Evan. No, I thought the questions you asked were great and, and set me up. Well, uh, the in terms of the air, like Thanksgiving was a really big day for Josh because he was a huge Marvin Jones guy. He actually came on our show last year around this time, might have been even earlier in like January, and said Marvin Jones. He, he's he's a guy that he'd be a great like buyback guy based on air yards. He, I mean, he's he's a really good receiver, and Josh is also uh, on the the fade cornerback matchups train. So when Marvin Jones scored two touchdowns against Xavier Rhodes, I think they were the only two touchdowns that Xavier Rhodes allowed all season. Uh, that, that was a really big day. Josh had a great year, I think, uh, with the air yards. They got really popular. Everybody talks about him now. Um, but Josh, since the end of last season, uh, has been working on a book, I know, and he's come out with some statistics. So we have yards per attempt that we rely on pretty heavily, uh, for the quarterback position, they mm-hmm. obvi- that obviously, I mean, that tends to measure like, or we, we'd like for it to measure like aggressiveness, you know, ability to th- uh, throw the ball downfield, not be more of a, a check down quarterback, be an aggressive passer, an aggressive downfield passer. We have completion percentage, which is uh, most related to accuracy. Josh has come up with a couple of stats called pacer and racer, uh, and I wanted to uh, have him talk about that a little bit on the show. Yeah, so I mean, like, the probably the easiest way to think about it is if you take yards per target and divide it by average depth of targets, average depth of those targets. And what that tells you is how efficient – oh, my dog, sorry. Uh, how efficient <laughs> is a quarterback uh, on the passes that he most commonly throws? Like, so each quarterback's different. They have different set of wide receivers. And those wide receivers run routes based on the offense and the calls of the plays and their own inherent skill sets. So Jarvis Landry is going to be running shorter patterns than Julio Jones. So really, ADOT doesn't belong to the quarterback. He's a bartender. Guys are open. It's his job to throw it on time and on target. So given his set of receivers, given the weapons that he has around him, how efficient is he at the depths of target he's asked to throw? And that's all Pacer is. And it's uh, the biggest the biggest thing I found with it that is uh, good, um, better than yards per target, better than QB rating, better than DVOA, 
is that if you take Pacer and you look at what a guy did one year and then you look at it the next year, it's called stability, whether or not it's a, a measure of true skill, it's, it's almost 50% more stable than those other metrics. So if you see a guy with a Pacer, uh, a high Pacer one year, he's much more likely to have high Pacer the next year than he would with his yards per target or his DVOA or his QB rating, which are, are, are really variable. So Pacer, is it, is it like a compilation stat, and can we use it to help predict fantasy points? Absolutely, you can. So you, okay. for, for a quarterback, you just take the number of attempts, and then you take the A dot, and then you take a guy's career Pacer, and you multiply the three of those things together, and you get yards. You get passing yards. And so that's how you, you get the most accurate um, prediction for a guy's passing yards in a season. And the cool thing about it, right, is you can say, well, I think he's going to have fewer attempts this year, and he's got some new wide receivers, so his dot will go up or down. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, now, like for instance, when uh, Kirk Cousin moves to, uh, if he does indeed move to Minnesota, he's going to have a whole different set of wide receivers to be throwing to this year. So it would be silly to think that he's going to be throwing at the exact same depth that he was in Washington. And so you can adjust those things and you can come up with a, a really good estimate for how they're going to perform for fantasy. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think that he might, he might throw the ball downfield a, a little bit more aggressively in Minnesota with Stefan Diggs and, and Thielen and not quite as much James, Jamison, Crowder, no Jamison Crowder, of course. And they, they always targeted tight ends a lot. Kyle Rudolph's targets fell by like 50 uh, as Thielen broke mm-hmm. out last season um i know you've been working with next gen stats a lot right and um have there been any particular findings during your work with next gen stats i know that dan quinn at the combine said that he wanted to figure out whether players offensive players um like lost steam as the game progressed which seems like it should definitely be the case, but no one has ever like necessarily quantified that, but you were able to. Or have there been any standout findings from working with next-gen stats? Yeah, absolutely. So I was able to see that like any ball carriers from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, when you're trying to measure their long speed, it actually does fall off in the fourth quarter. The, the shorter runs and the short area quickness doesn't seem to be affected as much probably need better data for that to really kind of figure that out at a, at a kind of a detailed level. But in general, yeah, players do get, do get tired later in the game. And specifically, I started looking at running backs to try and see, you know, are there bell cows that don't change from the first quarter to the fourth? Um, because, you know, presumably defenses are going to get more tired. And if he's running just as hard as he was as in the first, that can feel like he's gotten faster. But I found that guys like Leonard Fournette actually do get faster in the fourth quarter, which is crazy to me. Um, his, his fourth quarter runs this past year were much, much, much faster uh, in terms of miles per hour. And, and this is adjusted for how far he traveled, right? So this isn't like, oh, he just had more long runs. No, I'm saying like the same length of run, he was faster in the fourth quarter than the first. And then guys like Frank Gore, he was much, much slower. And uh, unfortunately, a guy I really like, Carlos Hyde, he was slower. He just runs so violently. I'm not sure if his body can just really hold up to his kind of punishing style of running. And um, so he gets slower in the fourth quarter and just, and I think that's something like just from a pure coaching perspective, 
just being able to say, yeah, no, these are the guys that we know will wear down. That can really be helpful in game planning. And, uh, and so I was excited to be able to find a, a little bit of difference there. I think that's fascinating. Um, so as you have been working with game speeds from next gen stats, have your, do you think that, all right. So, and I, I know that in the NFL and, and certainly in, in our like uh, fantasy analysis or football analysis communities, we, we still look back at like the 40 times from, you know, when players came out of college. Uh, and I know that they do that in the NFL as well. I mean, that player will all be, always be stamped as, you know, he ran this. I mean, we're still talking about Deion Sanders 40 times. You know, like Calvin Johnson, everyone knows what he ran. You know, and he did it in the uh, in the shoes that, that didn't belong to him. You know, like that always kind of sticks, especially at the skill positions and at like deep, for defensive backs, that sticks with you as long as you're in the NFL. Um, but as you've been working with actual game speeds from NFL, from NFL games, have your feelings on the combine and its usefulness changed? Or do you think that those 40 times that we got, you know, from Antonio Brown in, you know, when, whenever he came out of uh, central Michigan, do you think that that is still a, a helpful metric at, at this stage of his career? Certainly not at this stage of his career. I think it's co- you should completely discount it at this point. When they're rookies and, and you've never seen them actually be chased down on NFL football field with pads on, yeah, I mean, it's probably a decent a decent measure of their overall athleticism. But uh, what I found is that game speed, like for running backs, for wide receivers, it really doesn't correlate well with the 40 time at the combine. And, you know, people call it the underwear Olympics and a lot of uh, analytics guys, people you would associate with me, they defend the combine and those metrics to the end. I, I don't see it. I, I, it just, it really is the case in my opinion that, you know, going from a sprinter stance in your underwear with no pads, with no one trying to tackle you is just so, so, so much different from what actually happens on a football field that there's just a limited amount of information you could take from the combine and apply it to how a guy's going to perform. Um, in the NFL. I mean, Antonio Brown, he had a below average 40. He is an above average game speed wide receiver in the NFL. He's much better than average um, at almost every distance that he runs around. Awesome. Um, So what do you think that, uh, oh, okay. So the NFL is going to be releasing new data. What do you think will be involved uh, or, or what will that data do you think uh, consist of and how do you think that that could change uh, the way that we evaluate players or you know just make general on-field decisions what are you anticipating from the new data that is going to be released yeah I mean they, I told this story and I've, I've heard it told before by other folks but uh, American Pharaoh used this triple crown winning horse and when, before he was found, the guy that actually uh, encouraged his investors to buy the Triple Crown winning horse, Meredith Farrell, uh, no one else wanted it. He, they got him really cheap. And the thing that this guy that encouraged these investors to buy him had done was he had gone over and over again, looked like measuring nostril sizes on horses, trying to figure out if that led to winning. He, he actually measured their poop and weighed it and put it in a database. And he, and he tried to figure out if that helped them. Uh, predict winning better. And, and what it turned out was he finally had to get um, a, a, an MRI, a CAT scan kind of deal, 
put the horse in there and he found out that the left ventricle in the horse's heart actually correlated extremely strongly with winning. And when he did that measurement on America's Pharaoh, it was in the 99.8 percentile. He said, this is a generational horse. No one else knows it. Let's buy it. And he won the triple crown. And I think that's kind of what we have with this data. I think you'll have a lot of false starts. You don't know the shape of the opportunity of what the data will provide until you get in it. But I, I have to think that they're inside that data. There's those hidden left ventricles that are going to help smart organizations to, you know, find an edge. Like Bill Belichick's been doing this for years. He doesn't talk about analytics because he doesn't want anyone else to think they're useful. And so um, he's actually has a guy on staff that's been trying to do exactly what this data is going to provide for, I think, over a year, um, except trying to do it just through film analysis. <clears throat> so that's kind of my pitch on it. Uh, you know, and I, I think the teams, I think there's probably a third of the teams, maybe a little more, that don't have anyone on staff that can handle this data. And so, you know, I'm out there, you know, chatting with folks, trying to get them, trying to get them excited about the potential of it. But more than that, trying to help them understand that you first want to just understand the shape of the problem and, and, and kind of what the opportunity is. Um, and, and if you at least go that step, let smart people take a look at the data, see if there's anything in there to, uh, to actually leverage um, that, uh, that there's potential gains to be made on the football field. Do you think that there are, and this will be the last one, um, and I could throw it back to you, Ross. Uh, do you think that there are like significant edges to be had in the NFL right now? I mean, obviously it's, it's like on top as compared to um, the other sports. I mean, it's on top of NBA, you know, it's significantly at this point on top of uh, MLB and, and certainly on top of uh, the NHL. I mean, it's, it's the strongest sport in America right now. Um do you think that there are still like significant edges to be um, exploited by NFL teams? Uh, you know, and, and I mean, and any of them like in particular, uh, or do you think that this new data will really, um, will really make those, those potential edges uh, to be exploited? Like will it make those clearer? I mean, do you, do you think that like, do you think that there's just a lot of opportunity in this sport to, to rise quickly? I think so, and let me just give you one, for instance, you can really sink your teeth into, you guys. Like, Ross, you played, you know this far better than me, and and, uh, and Evan, you, you watch a ton of tape. Um, I, what you can do with this data on Sunday night, right after you just played your last opponent, you can have a tendencies report generated that can go as far as to say, we're going to split the field, um, so you could have split field man zone identified, you could have leverage identified on defenders, um, for your upcoming opponent and how they react and how their offense reacts based on those types of looks. You could say, what, what does he do? What, you know, could identify route concepts and say, you know, he's got a high low to the right with two wide receivers. And when he has inside leverage on that side with uh, a man concept on the right-hand side of the field, he always throws. You know, 80% of the time, this quarterback throws to the two wide receiver side of the field just because that's where his reads taken. And, you know, Coaches simplify the game for players, and so you can detect that simplification of the very, very complex game really, really quickly if you can identify all those little things that people do when they're actually watching tape. 
And, uh, and to be able to do that automatically and have it generated instantly right after a game, it allows your QA people and the rest of your coaches to really dig into the tape uh, in other ways that aren't just kind of rote charting. You know, you can actually get in there and try and figure out other ways to find edges. So really, I think it's a combination of doing what we currently do better and then also doing it more efficiently. Josh, really appreciate the time. Um, and with you, what you said about the combine testing numbers, you're preaching in the choir, man. I, I was not uh, good as a combine tester, especially like on the 40. Now, my 10-yard split was better, which is the most important one for an offensive lineman. But I'm convinced, Josh, when you actually watch the games – I don't ever remember someone getting downfield faster than me. I don't ever remember on a screen, you know, anybody running past me or being ahead of me. I just um, totally agree. There's examples of, I remember when they said that Reggie White ran a faster 40 time than Jerry Rice. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like, I know Reggie White was fast. I know Jerry Rice wasn't a great for But come on. Like, we, we saw what Jerry Rice could do um, in terms of taking to the house. So I... Totally agree with you, and that's really interesting about the guys that get faster later on in the games as well. I highly encourage you to check him out on Twitter, at Frisco Josh. As Evan mentioned, he'll have an awesome book coming out. But even just his tweets, some of the graphs and stuff he puts out, really, really interesting stuff. Thanks so much for the time, as always, Josh. Hey, thanks, you guys. It's always a thrill. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, man. Evan, that was awesome. And, and I love guys that know, like, that they tell us stuff about data, but it's also, there's a lot more that we don't know, but some of yep. the things that we can learn. Any chance we ever have to learn more like that? Like, I, I learned quite a bit from Josh there, which is also one of the reasons why I think reality online, reality sports online, is so awesome because it is the most realistic. Like, you'll learn stuff playing at reality sports online that you can't really understand what it's like for these teams making decisions unless you're actually in that platform where you're in the auction room, you have a cap, you're signing guys to one-year deals or multi-year contracts. Like That's the thing. I remember, Evan, when, when we played was that like you want these players – but there's only so many slots that you have the multi-year deal. Like you really, it, real life is not even a fantasy draft. Real life is a lot more like reality sports online, where there are actual financial parameters involved as well. Right. I mean, I you know I've played everywhere. You know, at this point, I've played fantasy football everywhere. Um, I, you know, if there is a, a forum in, in which I have not played yet, I, I would be surprised. And reality sports online is the closest to running a real football team uh, that that it gets, you know, bar none. Uh, so I'm looking forward to playing there in the future. We played, I played a couple of leagues uh, on there uh, in the past, and I'm looking forward to playing more. Yeah, highly encourage people if you if you haven't at least just checked it out, you really should. If you want to try to get as close to possible as real free agency, which starts a week from now. The closest you can get is realitysportsonline.com. They have a free trial. And then if you like what you see, just use the promo code FEAST to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. 
Again, pretty cool. You have a free trial, and then if you like it, use Feast to get 10% off, whether it's your own team or league. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Let's dive into an email or two. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to Ask Ross. And actually, on the Fantasy Feast podcast, you're pretty much going to be asking Evan. The email address, ross at rostucker.com. Here's the deal. If you take advantage of any of the sponsors at rostucker.com on the sponsor page or just the ones you hear on the show, you know, whether that's betonline.ag, which is the presenting sponsor, or Credible. If those of you who have student loans, I don't know why you wouldn't at least just see if you can refinance better. Or the Reality Online, uh, Reality Sports Online that we just talked about. Any of them. Once you sign up for those, and you should, forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, with whatever question you could possibly have for Evan. Here's what we got, uh, Evan. It's from Dan Begley, who's actually uh, one of the star Tuckheads over at Tuckheads.com as well. Dan posts uh, multiple times a day. I love Dan's insight. He said, recently used Sherry's Berries for Valentine's delivery and got big-time kudos for sending them to my fiancé's work. That's a, that's a power move right there, Dan. Question for Evan. Has he done any studies looking back at MFL 10 concerning roster construction, specifically in regards to defense quarterback tight end positions? My teams with the best success used two quarterbacks and three defenses. Allows for big points when D's have the huge weeks, bigger than quarterbacks can put up often, Having three Ds gives you a better shot at those. However, only two quarterbacks can leave you vulnerable to zeros, as I had several leagues with only Palmer and Wentz. My leagues, only a small sample, would love to get Evan's thoughts on this. So he's talking quarterback, defense, tight end, roster construction for MFL 10s, Evan. Yeah, and you know, back in the day, we had a lot, we had a bunch of different people on to discuss this very topic. That's what really what we were concerned with in the beginning was our, our roster construction. Um, and I think that uh, the best, so, and, and so this is the approach just based on all the information that I had gathered. Uh, this was the approach that I took last year, and I had a very good year uh, in best ball this past year. Early in the offseason, I was taking three quarterbacks um, because, you know, just just to have – I just went a little bit more risk-averse with my rosters. Uh, and I actually went with three quarterbacks and three defenses and therefore would take like one fewer wide receiver typically. Um, but I, I tried to be more risk-averse and just give me – give myself more shots at those positions and a little bit more margin for error. Now, what that – wound up leading me into which was you know just being on the the right side of fortune having some good luck was a lot of alex smith who alex smith wound up being you know like a top five fantasy quarterback and i would get him i mean you could literally get him in the 20th round the last round of of mfl 10s at times last year because 
Um, I mean, people, first of all, people didn't really think of him as a great fantasy quarterback. Uh, and number two, especially as the, uh, as the offseason progressed, it became clear that the Chiefs uh, might have interest in quarterbacks, and then they wound up taking Patrick Mahomes. So people, myself included, were worried about Alex Smith maybe getting displaced if something went wrong with the Chiefs' season. Um, at the same time, I also used a lot of late-round picks on Sam Bradford, which looked, you know, he would be my quarterback three, and which looked great in week one when he lit up the Saints, but, you know, he didn't help me the rest of the way. So it, it can certainly go either way. But the way that I did it this past year is I went risk averse, more players at positions. And then as we got closer and I knew that uh, my guys were going to be healthy, you know, in, in July and August, the guys that I was drafting, I would do exactly what this emailer did. And I'd go two quarterbacks and three defenses and devote a, another roster spot to a running back or m- most often a wide receiver. Um, but I, I'm with him that uh, I've had the most success with the two quarterback, three defense um, uh, structure, uh, and uh, I'm I'm excited to to play this year. Uh, play MFL tens on Fanball. I haven't played any yet. I was supposed to last week, but I went out of town. Uh, but I plan on jumping into that uh, pretty soon. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I want to read the rules. I mean, you, you got to read the rules. Don't jump in without reading the rules. Make sure the rules haven't changed uh, significantly. That's the first thing that I'm going to do. Um, but, yeah, I, that that will be the plan that, that I sort of have penciled in. Be a little bit more risk averse. You know, and we were we were risk averse too, like avoiding Ezekiel Elliott. And that, that helped us. Um, you know, taking Antonio Brown instead of Ezekiel Elliott. And as we get more into the season where we're doing actual fantasy rankings. And I mean, we, we put some out for the last month. We, we, that's what we, we've been working on. But as that becomes a bigger issue in, inside of the industry and around the community, um, we, will ha- we will figure out the decisions that we're going to make this year that can maybe give us an edge while people are taking Ezekiel Elliott. Instead, we're just taking Antonio Brown. You know, the, we will find... Uh, situations that are similar uh, during the the 2018, the lead up to the 2018 season. Uh, because again, you know, always remember this is a decision making game, and we're just trying to make the best decisions that we possibly can uh, with every draft pick during the season, with every trade. Uh, so that that's what we're going to be focusing on from from here uh, going forward. I love it. Great points, Evan. And yes, we try to give you the edge. That's why so many of you guys listen to us each and every week. Dan, good question. You can ask Evan any question you would ever want right here on the show. Again, just take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com and forward me the email and say, hey, here's my question for Evan. Really appreciate those of you that spread the word via social media. If you just retweet Evan, it's the easiest thing in the world to do, at Evan Silva. I'm at Ross Tucker. NFL, if you're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Downloading us multiple times on multiple devices is awesome. iTunes, five-star rankings, that's very cool as well. And, of course, we always have the Amazon banner ad or the PayPal, which are really easy ways to be able to ask Evan your question as well. Other than that, Josh was fantastic. I am totally, 
totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, Bri, I got some useful tips for your car that you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid, so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states.